The Liz Callaway Show with Nick Summers, featuring Breitbart Talks on Talk 94.5. Joining us right now is Ashley Oliver. She is the political reporter for Breitbart News. Good morning. Good morning, Liz. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for joining us. So uh, last week we spoke to Matt Boyle. Uh, he was hopping mad that the House couldn't get their act together and get the uh, House, the Speaker of the House in place. Um, what, what is your perspective? I've seen you've written many articles about the House uh, passing the rules package and all of that. Did they end up getting everything that they were holding out for? Yeah, you know, I think that the most, uh, the most indicative sign that they were satisfied by the end of the week-long battle that took place last week was that even Matt Gates, who was the most outspoken uh, opponent of McCarthy throughout the last several weeks, you know, he was a hard no, a never Kevin. On Friday, he was no longer a never Kevin, which was just hmm. the kind of a stunning turn of events because he had been so adamantly against voting for him. And now he didn't actually vote for Kevin, but he did vote present, which is a change from how he had been voting all week. And that was enough to secure uh, McCarthy to gavel. And he told reporters, uh, as you know, on Friday, he was excited. He said the word excited verbatim about some of the changes that he saw in the rules packages that McCarthy was going to propose. So I think that overall Republicans were fully satisfied and there were a few uh, Freedom Caucus members I would credit with uh, bridging a gap between the like hardline conservatives that wanted certain items and some of the more Main Street conservatives that were weary of everything that they were asking for. And those were uh, Byron Donald and Chip Roy, um, you know, Scott Perry a little bit, too. They were kind of uh, going back and forth between the Freedom Caucus members and then, you know, McCarthy and his allies like. Patrick McHenry and Tom Emmer and people like that. And you got to watch. I was in the building every day last week watching what happened. And it was lawmakers just going between offices door to door and having closed door conversations to try to work out their issues. And some people have said that's a lack of transparency. But really, it's, you know, their conversations where they want to come to some kind of agreement together. And then that agreement becomes very transparent. So, um you know, you don't want to always have these like fights out in public because you want to show like a unified party. And so I think that's what was going on last week. And, um, you know, they ended up coming to terms that I think will, I mean, if they stick to these rules, which they, you know, should, I don't know what happens if they don't um, at this stage, but they will make, you know, it will make significant progress in the House as far as transparency goes and, you know, making it more a place for the people and, and the broader, just for listeners understanding, the broader purpose was to kind of shift power out of the leadership, like this tight, you know, group of a few members and more spread it to and democratize it to all these rank and file members so that everybody has a little bit more of a voice and has they feel like they have more power. And the way I see it, that gives us more power to contact our representative and, and say, hey, we don't like this or we like it. And and then those representatives can do more of what their constituents, you know, take that into account as part of their voting, whether they need to educate the constituents about why they're voting in a certain way that may not be what they think um, or whatever the case may be. But so to me, uh, you know, and I was kind of on the fence with this whole thing. I mean, 15 is a little excessive, 15 times. But, you know, maybe there was a good reason that this all happened 
And maybe we're better off because of it. We did a poll with our listeners and they saw that Matt Gates was a hero, not a zero. What is your mm-hmm. take on the on the consensus that you're seeing, you know, amongst the people that you've spoken to in D.C.? Well, I would imagine that your listenership has some overlap with our readership at Breitbart. And I saw that kind of this kind of transformation with our just our commenters. I mean, and. You know, the commenters, you take everything with a grain of salt, but I wrote a lot about this speaker race. And in the beginning, it was very never Kevin and Kevin McCarthy's establishment. Don't vote for him. All of these holdouts need to stay strong. And then by the end of it, as we kind of explained what these holdouts were accomplishing and how they ultimately agreed to hand McCarthy the gavel, they softened and said, well, you could tell they I mean, some of them, of course, some of them you know, are still, you know, anti Kevin, no matter what. But then you saw some of them just surprisingly express an open mindedness to McCarthy. So I think that um, that it that 15 ballot four day knockdown drag out fight that we witnessed, which was absolutely historic. It hadn't happened since before the Civil War, uh, that that length of a the, that many ballots of the speaker vote. I think it it may actually pave the road for a smoother um, you know, smoother legislative process as time goes on. Now, I mean, of course, there's going to be fights and holdups and things like that, that there always are. But if anything over the, uh, uh, like if yesterday is indicative of what the legislative process is going to look like, it means good news for Republicans because they passed the rules changes swiftly with only one person voting against it. They passed their committees. Um, Republicans were completely united in wanting to pass these new committees that they have put into place. Um, and they seem really excited now to, you know, start working. And so that was that happened very, very quickly after the speaker vote with little disagreement. So it's like they worked it all out last week. And so maybe um, it has solved a lot of problems that would have otherwise come up throughout the year. You know, speaking of committees, uh, we've heard that Schiff and Swalwell and Omar are being uh, removed from their respective committees. Uh, and I mean, I heard uh, that interview between Joy Reid and Byron Donalds and, and you know, she she was uh, really uh, accusing um, the, uh, you know, the Republicans for putting in very divisive people, people who are white supremacists, people who have checkered pasts um, instead of high ranking experienced people. They're removing all the good people from the committees. That was her spin on it. Um, what is uh, your coverage showing about the people that are being removed? Is it solely out of revenge for others being removed, like Marjorie Taylor Greene and Gosart, or is it more of correcting the ship, writing the course of the ship? Um, I don't think it's so much a revenge uh, move versus the Democrats having set a precedent because they did something that hadn't, as far as I know, happened mm-hmm. before, at least in a long time, by removing Marjorie Taylor Greene and Paul Gosar from their committees for, you know, whatever viewpoints they put out. Marjorie Taylor Greene, you know, was very apologetic about anything she had done prior to joining office. Um, you know, she's been working very closely with McCarthy since her time in office. And so stripping her of the committee, I, I can't recall the reason Gosar was stripped, but I know it was along the same the, the same I line. Think he, and, he spoke at a white supremacy. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. OK, yeah, I remember that. Something like Maybe that. Nick, Nick Fuentes event or something. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, Democrats decided that because they were not OK with whatever was going on, they were going to actually, you know, interfere with the Republican conference's handling of that situation, uh, whether it, you know, 
you know, McCarthy wanted Paul Gosar to apologize out loud or whether McCarthy himself wanted to remove Gosar from his committees. The Democrats said, no, we're not going to let you handle it. We're going to interfere with this and take them off the committees. So that was just the precedent that they set. And people on the Republican side have had a lot of issues with uh, Adam Schiff and Eric Swalwell and Ilhan Omar. And McCarthy saying, well, this precedent is in place. And he's long said that he's going to take them off these committees. It, it's not a surprise. He's not, you know, pulling the rug out from under them. He's been saying this. He told Breitbart News he would do it um, well over a year ago. Uh, December 2021, he said in an interview that he planned to remove them, the three of them from the Intelligence Committee and the Foreign Affairs Committee. So um, I, I don't think it's any kind of revenge ploy rather than if this is the game, then we are going yeah. to also participate in it. I like it. Um, I agree. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we're speaking with Breitbart political reporter Ashley Oliver. The other thing I wanted to talk to you about, my co-host Nick was uh, commenting about uh, Lauren Boebert's uh, touting how they stopped the hiring of 87,000 new IRS agents by passing a bill that would rescind, rescind the 20, uh, the $72 billion for that, the House Resolution 23. Um, and but we all know it's going it's going to die in the Democratic led Senate. So was she a little premature in celebrating that? Yeah, I mean, I think that people need to be aware that the Senate is going to present a problem. Um, You know, McCarthy has also included in his rules and his vows that he is not he's going to reject any negotiations with the Senate um, unless they kind of are you know, or any kind of working with the Senate on their legislation, unless they're compatible with what the House wants, especially related to budgetary matters. So, I mean, I think the Senate is going to, they may force the Senate to be a little more open-minded to some of the uh, initiatives that the House has now, the Republican-led House. But in terms of the IRS agent uh, legislation, I think more than anything, that's just a show of what Republican priorities are, because they want to protect middle America and you know, those sort of grassroots voices that feel like they don't have a voice and that they have the IRS coming after them rather than going after, you know, wealthy millionaires and billionaires for their taxes. Mm -hmm. And so I think that was more just a statement to the American people that this is what we're going to be fighting for. That legislation itself is expected to die in the Senate. And so that should be something that Republicans are forthright about. Um, But it is still a victory for them to show that they can at least get it through the House. And now maybe that's going to frame people's and voters' minds when it comes to 2024 and voting for their next senator, because they may see that the Senate is putting a stop to great things that they see happening in the House. So it's certainly productive legislation, even if it doesn't make it through the upper chamber. Okay. And you mentioned Matt Gates, you know, kind of coming around and softening up a little bit with his language. Um, he did forgive the uh, representative that kind of lunged at him, yelling at him. And he says, oh, no, we're friends and we're on the same page and we just were getting heated and hot. So do you see that the 20 holdouts um, are going to, uh, you know, show unity in the GOP or or outwardly, um, you know, express that they are working together and not going to be like this, uh, you know, the squad on on the on the far right? Yeah, you know, um, the squad felt a little bit clicky uh, to me when that when that all came about. And they were such a small group um, and, and so outspoken and loud. And I think they just wanted to run with that throughout the 
course of their uh, that Congress. But these Republicans, I noticed the holdouts on Friday, they had put up a really um, tough game face. But then on Friday, when McCarthy actually became speaker, it was all nice from there. Um, they were all kind of like, I wish McCarthy the best. I, mm. you know, can't wait to get started with this new Congress that we have. And it was all definitely a unified attitude and optimism about McCarthy. I didn't see a single person say they were disappointed with the outcome um, or that they were unhappy or displeased with any of the rules. I really I did not see that at all from any of these members. So that is a good sign for the Republican okay. Party. That's good. It makes um, me feel better. Yeah. It gives me hope for our own local county GOP that are at each other's throats right now. So um, we have a divide there. So maybe, you know, this will be you can say what you need to say, express your opinions and then come together to fight the common enemy, which is this encroachment of you know, liberalism, communism, socialism, you know, that we need to push back on. That's what we need to focus on. Mm -hmm. You know, we agree on more than we disagree. So, uh, Ashley Oliver, thank you so much. Appreciate all of your insight uh, from Breitbart. You can follow her on Breitbart.com. Just uh, in the search window, type in Ashley Oliver. Any, are you on Twitter, I'm sure? Oh, yeah, you can follow me at Ash Oliver if you want to on Twitter. And of course, my byline on Breitbart, too. All right. Well, thank you so much. We'll talk to you next time. Thank you, Liz. Thanks for having me.